to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we recognize that whenever Reformation has happened in the history of the church, things get messy. And we're starting to see things get messy right now. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, head on over to our website at themessyreformation.com. You'll find our podcasts there, but you'll also find blog posts there on a regular basis. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Jeffrey Scripps. So I'm, I'm one of those guys, I really like to read CRC history as well. And so this last summer, I was rereading James Bratt's book, uh, Dutch Calvinism in Modern America. And I remember him talking in that book about uh, the massive controversy going on in the CRC back in the 20s. And so it was just a big fight. Everybody, you know, they kicked, they kicked uh, Gerhardus Voss out. He got removed from the seminary. We lost a bunch of good people in that fight. And then he said, after that fight kind of ended, um, the thirties were like an era of peace. Just nobody wanted to fight anymore. That was like, we're done fighting. We're just going to be nice. We're going to ignore things. Um, but then all of a sudden things blew up again, um, because they, they refused to have some of that conflict. And, um, I've been wondering if that's kind of the case for us that, you know, like you mentioned, the women in office thing was really tense for about 20 years, I th- you know, kind of kept going back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, and then finally, it, you know, went through in the late 90s and, and got pushed out to the different classes. And then it seems like as a denomination, we've just refused to fight about things. Anytime somebody tries to bring something up, um, until recently, now I think we're getting into a place where we all realize we have to take a stand. But for the last 15 years, last almost 20 years, we've been a denomination that's refused to enter into any form of discipline or even and fight. And, uh, and I've seen that. Um, you mentioned All One Body. And uh, All One Body's been active for quite a while. I guess I don't know when they were founded. Um, but I've been watching synods and watching um, reading overtures coming through about all one body. It seems like quite some time where people have been sending in overtures saying we need to do some discipline on this group. They're, they're teaching things contrary to what our denomination holds. They're, they're not, this is not helpful. And, uh, and it seems like every time that comes up, Synod says, well, for me, it feels like just a political dodge. Like we don't really want to touch it. And so here's some church order ninja moving that mm-hmm. says we can't deal with it now you have to do these things um you have to do these things first and then we'll maybe deal with it and then they do those things and they bring it back to synod and they're like oh wait <laughs> we we're not gonna do that do yeah shoot you did it so yeah. no we can't so what do you, do you think that that's part of what's going on or is there something else going on why we're so hesitant to, to enter into some of these conflicts or even some of these disciplinary actions well, I think that's a big part of it. I think another part, and uh, this would be, I, I think, to 
look at it with uh, in, a, in a charitable light. Um, we, I, I think uh, all of us probably as Christians, because I think, you know, the, you know, the all one body group would claim to be Christian. Uh, I'd have some questions about that, um, you know, but we, we all at least, you know, we, we seek to follow Jesus and be like him. And uh, we, we've all read our Bibles and we know that, you know, Paul writes in the pastoral letters, you know, don't be quarrelsome. And, uh, you know, if that possible, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14, just, you know, take the, uh, fine, put the mask on or, or don't worry about the mask if it, you know, offends your brother and that kind of thing. You know, so I, I think we have a, a, a strong urge within us and probably rightly so to uh, not jump right into a fight. And also maybe to assume the best of each other. You know, I think, uh, you know, to use a, a Harry Potter thing, you know, I, uh, Snape will say to um, uh, Draco's mom, you know, that uh, that is Dumbledore's weakness, that uh, he sees the best in everybody. And of course, that actually ends up not being a weakness, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and to be fair, you know, folks on the other side, so to speak, uh, you know, they, they can come up with some pretty convincing sounding, um, you know, presentations, I think on further inspection, they do fall apart. You know, that reminds me a lot of the women in office thing, you know, it appeals to some good basic instincts, right. You know, of uh, let's make sure people are included. Let's make sure that we're treating people fairly. Hey, somebody's got gifts. Why shouldn't they be pastors? All that sort of thing. You know, that's, yeah, <laughs> we shouldn't be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mean and we shouldn't be uh, harsh with one another, but, yeah, there does come a time where you have to uh, you have to call out the false teachers and the false teaching, and, and recognize when something is just moved beyond the uh, category of agree to disagree. Um, and uh, so I, I think there's, but we're slow to do that. And uh, there's there's a good side of it, and then of course there's a not so good side of it too, because uh, you know if you uh, you know if you refuse to take stands, then uh, you know that's you actually make the fight worse. I think, I think you really do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I think that's, uh, I, I agree too, right. We're not supposed to be quarrelsome. We're not supposed to be there. I always, I try to think, I can't figure out a good distinction between, you know, a fight and an argument, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> fighting has kind of more of a negative connotation. Like we're taking blows and we're doing it in a bad way. Um, an argument seems a little less tense, um, but we have to have those to be healthy. I remember um, I came into my, my current classes and my ordination classes meeting was one of the most contentious they had had in like 10 years. Uh, hmm. There was a big disagreement and everybody, I mean, it, the classes meeting went way longer than normal. And, and they're like, whoa, this was not expected. And they're looking at me. And they're like, I'm ser seriously, we're, we're healthier than this. And <laughs> I actually, not. <laughs> and, uh, None of and us I are. Like, yeah. And, and I, I laughed, but I said, the fact that you guys had an argument and, and it doesn't mean you're not healthy. Like mm -hmm. um, I've been part, I've been at two other classes meetings where they refused to argue about things. And it just kind of, and there was just like an apathy there. And I'm like, that's not healthy either. You know, apathy is not a healthy mm -hmm. attitude for us either. We have to be able to disagree and, and kind of wrestle back and forth a little bit. And that's actually a sign of, of health. Um, and yeah. one of the other things you had mentioned earlier that I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on is uh, as I talk to a lot of pastors and 
and uh, and just people in the pew as well. Um, a lot are feeling this kind of echo chamber going on amongst, like you had said, you don't want to call them elites, the denominational board, like you'll read the banner and there's almost a tone deafness that there's people that disagree with what they're pushing. And when people, um, I don't know, I'm trying to say this charitably, when people contact the banner and say, this isn't helpful, like, why are you doing this? They almost seem dumbfounded that people wouldn't appreciate what they're what they're posting they're like they don't get it and so what do you think's happening to kind of create that echo chamber there um, because most people don't feel like the I think the vast majority of the people in the pew don't feel like the banner is voicing um, where they're at they're they're almost talking on two different wavelengths yeah that's a good question what what goes into that and you know there's a danger here of mind reading because I'm not one of them you know but uh yeah. You know, from what I can tell, um, you know, I start with the law of good intentions. I learned that from one of my elders. You know, we all start with good intentions, you know, to do good. You, you have a denomination publication. You want to really encourage ministries, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I think the echo chamber kind of forms naturally. You know, you just have your people that you're used to talking with, whether at seminary or at church classes. Um, you know, you maybe go to the same conferences as some of the folks. And so you just, you know, that's how echo, you know, yeah, we can be accused of an echo chamber <laughs> very easily. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure somebody has made that, uh, that, but you know, <laughs> everybody, uh, you know, this, this is a natural tendency. You know, we, uh, we want to be affirmed. We want to, uh, make sure that we're on the right track. There's something kind of healthy about that, um, instinct too, so that's part of what goes into it. Um, I think uh, yeah, another part of it is then has probably has to do a little bit, I think, theologically and yeah, brains going a bunch of different places. But uh, I, th I think uh, part of it has to do with uh, the kinds of circles that you run in if you happen to be uh, in a leadership position, maybe in West Michigan. Um, maybe in a church, maybe in an academic setting that, um, you know, these are the folks that you, you hang around with the most. And it seems like, yeah, everybody thinks this way. And of course, uh, the answer is that is not. And we all kind of know that, but it is quite an uncomfortable truth. It's kind of a scary thing um, to, uh, you know, yeah, talk to someone who just really strongly disagree. That's why I have so much respect for uh, Aaron Vriesman, you know, <laughs> He really goes out out of his way to find people uh, with whom he disagrees, and they have very respectful conversations. And uh, you know, neither one, neither side ends up convincing the other. It's not that's not about not not what it's about. But uh, but that happens very rarely. I think uh, a lot of the time we just uh, it's a comfort thing. That's that's what I'll say. It's probably more more comfort, and then suddenly we're unpleasantly surprised to find out that, yeah, not everybody agrees with us. But I remember Scott Jose saying something like that. Uh, yeah, I think it might've been a banner piece. It might've been the 12 or something like that. And, and to his credit, <laughs> Scott said, you know, there are probably some people who are pretty shocked to hear what I had to believe in or to say, and what I believe in. Was, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what's going on. So let's, let's have these conversations. Let's get at, uh, at, at the roots here. You know, what's, what drives you here and me there and what kind of theological convictions are there? You know, Paul Vanderclay talked about the classical conversation, which I, 
or not classical, but confessional conversation, mm-hmm. uh, which could take place in the classes. Yeah. I, th- I think, we, you know, yeah. and maybe that's some of the good that will come of this is, well, I think maybe we're operating by instinct in a lot of ways, but uh, it, until you really have the arguments, until you really exchange the ideas, you don't really know how to uh, articulate uh, why you're getting at, how you're getting at uh, where you end up. And I think with, uh, with that kind of challenge, maybe there will be kind of an iron sharpening iron that takes place in Synod 2022. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that. I'm, I'm naturally someone who uh, just asks questions. I want to know why you believe what you believe. And, uh, and, I, and that part of that picked up. Um, so my undergraduate degree, I got a, a, a Bachelor of Ministry, which is basically just a bachelor's MDiv. Um, Mm -hmm. at a uh, Baptist dispensationalist, mostly Arminian college, right? So they disagree Mm -hmm. with almost everything that I, I mean, besides the core stuff, but all of the distinctives. And and I went into that college um, with the commitment, I'm not going to sit there and argue with the professors. That's just super unfruitful. Um, But what I want to do is I want to ask questions and try to figure out why they believe what they believe. I want to get the best reasoning for why they would disagree with me. Um, but what I ended up experiencing often, not always, some professors are really good, but, but certain professors, I'd start asking them questions, trying to figure out why they believed what they believed, and they thought I was arguing with them. And so then they would start to get frustrated, and then they'd start <laughs> to you know, kind of do battle with me. And I was like, oh, man, I wasn't trying to do that. I just wanted to know. But there's almost this assumption that when you start asking certain questions, you're trying to manipulate the conversation maybe. And, and so uh, I, I get that a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. When we start having these conversations about um, women in office, which we've kind of tabled that one as a denomination now, but you know, the hot one right now is the issue of homosexuality and all of that. And as I interact with people who disagree with me on it and I start asking questions, they immediately assume I'm trying to argue with them and I'm trying to, twist, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to, I really want to understand how you can get to where you're at, because right now I can't even fathom um, my brain going there. Right. And so I'm trying to understand you better. Yeah. But even in that, that kind of um, exchange, I, I sense at once that you know, we're all kind of guarded against each other. You know, we're, we're, we're suspicious of one another. Like you're trying to you're trying to trap me, aren't you? <laughs> you know, you're trying to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, box me in or make me look stupid. And I don't need you to help me look stupid. <laughs> and of course, yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, we are quite fallible. Uh, you know, we don't do our best. You know, we don't always think clearly all the time. And it, it's kind of a scary thing. It's it's kind of like coming face to face with our mortality or our frailty or our finite nature. Um, and also, I think, to be fair, uh, you know, experience, you know, if you go to college, you go to a place where people, well, it's not just college. I remember doing this. When I worked at Arby's and where I worked at the grocery store. Um, no shortage of people who are just out to convince you against your will because, you know, they're brilliant. And that, mm-hmm. that's quite an obnoxious thing. <laughs> it so, is. so you've, you've got a lot of that going on too. So, um, but what it's do you think? Because what? Yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say it's unfortunate because then you don't, you know, you can't have those, you know, maybe what we should do is uh, take that, that wonderful instinct that we have to be charitable to one another and assume the best and hold on to that. Even as we're 
sending out our questions. And uh, even as we're receiving the questions of others, well, why don't you support women in office? Don't you know about, uh, you know, the Temple of Artemis in, in Ephesus? And don't you know about uh, Priscilla mentioned first and then Aquila? And what about Julia, you know, and, and, and so on, Junia, excuse me. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, and if we, it can, and I guess on our part, as much as we can, you know, just tone down the anxiety ourselves. And that's just kind of a, I think, a personal battle. Uh, that'll that'll help somewhat but uh yeah ultimately we can't control the other party in the conversation either so we'll just do the best we can and uh i guess the good news is eventually you're going to have this conversation uh, because we you know with sexuality you're you're really at the point where you just can't ignore it anymore you know, like we could mm -hmm. table like you said the women in office issue we could table maybe the you know some of the political stuff we could table um maybe even you know it's like the age of the earth questions and that sort of thing a little bit but boy yeah when it comes to uh yeah this behavior is great should be celebrated no it's uh condemned by god and uh needs to be disciplined needs to uh, needs to not be allowed in the church it's like you really can't have it both ways anymore elijah to the uh, people of israel how long will you waver between two opinions well can't do that forever yeah, and I think we're at the point, right, where this next synod is going to be, um, you know, I, I just had an elder um, from another church email me and say, man, I feel like this next synod is kind of a make or break synod for, for our denomination. It's either going to ensure that we hold firm and live or it's going to cause the death of our, um, of the denomination if we, if we hold on. So that, so that, I mean, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on people going yeah. at as delegates right which is good in one way and then on the other hand it kind of does what you were saying it raises the anxiety level too right everybody's kind of worried about how this is gonna go and uh and especially now we haven't had synod for you know two years it'll be three years since we've had synod and so mm -hmm. all of the anxiety and tension has been building up for three years um i don't see it being a recipe for um thoughtful unanxious deliberation right everybody's basically settled into their opinions and now we're just going to it seems like a lot of it's turning into like a power grab like all right we're not going to convince you we're not going to convince you so which one of us can kind of push this to get it done and uh that, that's tough and i don't i don't mm -hmm. even know how just in general um synod the way synod's designed i know we believe it you know confessionally and, and according to church order we believe that synod and classes right they're deliberative bodies right we're we're there seeking to discern the will of the lord and yet the way that they're set up it seems like it's more of a i don't know we're trying to convince each other we're not having the conversations until we get to synod and then we're just mm -hmm. trying to get the other side to move our way right we're not really deliberating and so i've been wondering if there's ways um and and be curious if you have any thoughts on this too if if there's ways we can help foster this conversation more uh leading up to synod to help it become more productive at synod and not just an all-out brawl yeah Ooh, I, yeah i hear what you're saying jason i uh yeah i can sense you know with uh yeah with some some dread too. Senate 2022. How could you stop it from becoming what it looks like? It's it's almost slated to to be just kind of a 
uh, yeah, a, a session of, of maybe trying to argue one another in, you know, to, uh, uh, into a position and uh, that never works. Um, what do we do about it? Oh, you know, I think one thing that can help is if we understand just for ourselves, just doing our own soul work, why do we hold the positions that we do? Um, what convictions are driving us? What fears are driving us? Um, is it, you know, what, yeah, kind of, at least we can be honest about our stuff. And I think that's, that's one, that, that would be one thing that, that would help is uh, so we're operating a little bit less by just pure instinct and a little bit more with uh, something well thought out. Well, here's why um, a local option when it comes to human sexuality doesn't work for me because I feel that I am then giving my blessing, even if it's just remaining in the same denomination, I feel like I'm giving my, my blessing to an activity that uh, God in his word forbids. I, I feel like that's, um, yeah, that I'm, I'm doing something wrong to, uh, you know, to, to people who are trying to follow Jesus. I'm not being a very good uh, discipler there. And of course, others will, um, you know, strongly <laughs> disagree with me. And, uh, but, but then at least I can, you know, present here's why, you know, this isn't just me trying to get my way on, on one issue or another. Uh, this is the, the matter of conscience. This is where yeah, I can't do anything else. Um, maybe, maybe understanding a few other things like, you know, why do I interpret scripture the way I do? Um, what, what kind of convictions drive there? You know, especially in the light of the challenges of, well, you know, you could go into the culture and you could go into the linguistics and you could maybe sort of construct another reading of the passage. And, and why do I see that as, as not uh, convincing or even legitimate? At least knowing that, I think, would help. Um, I think a lot of prayer, and I think a lot of, uh, yeah, you know, gentleness and patience, but uh, just having that right there with, uh, with convictions to, uh, to stand for the gospel. There's, there just comes a point where you, you have to. Um, you have to have your, your loyalty uh, to Christ, and um, this is... Yeah, this is the way that I, I am loyal because I can't really see any other way. So I don't know that that helps a whole lot. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good reminder for all of us, for sure, um, preparing to go to Synod. And I know most of us don't know who the delegates are going to be or if either of us are going to be a delegate to Synod until after the spring classes meeting. But for all of those who are going to be delegates to Synod, um, just encourage you to be heavily in prayer leading up to mm -hmm. it, that God would um, guide your words, your thoughts, and your heart as well, right? So we're not coming into it with an impure heart, ready to brawl and punch people in the nose, right? But Which in the um, flesh you always want to do, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in the flesh yeah. you want to have that great moment where you just argue and everyone and then the other people just throw down their papers and we, we repent and like, yes, I win. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's glorifying the self. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, uh, so we, yeah. yeah, you know, keep praying that the Lord would keep our anxiety down too. I think mm -hmm. anxiety doesn't uh, produce good fruit in us as well, but also that we would be bold too. I mean, that's been my big encouragement for everybody. We, 
we can still be bold and not and gentle. You can be bold and gentle yeah. at the same time. Well, and that, that's uh, and, what we got to be. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. so just encouraging that at, at this upcoming synod that we can be bold and gentle in how we do this. And, and I've been telling people, you know, maybe this is the pessimist in me, but, um, you know, based on this upcoming synod, there will be a, a split one way or the other. Um, there, there almost has mm-hmm. to be some kind of a split, something it's, we're, we're not going to, there's no way we're going to go forward saying, let's all go along to get along. Nobody on both sides of the matter, nobody's willing to do that. And so we can't, we can't go into this just hoping and praying that there'll be unity. Um, there's going to have to be a division. We're going to have to draw a line. And it's, and the question is, where is that line going to be drawn? Um, and which line is most faithful to our God and our savior and uh, draw that line. And then, and then allow for um, what the terminology that's been used, you know, gracious separation um, to occur and let people go off and, and serve according to where their conscience is at. Even if we disagree with where their conscience is at, I think that's mm-hmm. really what's going to have to happen. I think for, for both sides, you know, I mean, Aaron, again, praise, <laughs> praise him there, but uh, you know, he had that wonderful piece, I think was what the abide project, wasn't it? Where, you know, he, yeah talk to you know pastor who's very much on the other side of the issue who said you know you really can't do this uh, agree to disagree you know local option business because you know where she was coming from this, this other pastor she said you know your your theology that uh, constrains human sexuality to one man one woman marriage um you know that harms people and um you know we can't be a part of a group that's harming people and uh, even though, you know, Aaron didn't agree with her and I don't agree with her, it's like, I, I think, I think both sides can kind of recognize for each other this, yeah, there, there is not going to be uh, for, for both of our consciences, there's not going to be some kind of a way that we can just pretend like this is no big deal. You know, they're just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're getting about mm-hmm. to our time limit. And so I'd love to just uh, give you kind of the final opportunity. You know, we've got a lot of pastors and elders and and lay people listening to this podcast, what would you, what would you like to leave them with as a note of encouragement, or even just uh, thoughts on how they should be preparing themselves for uh, reformation in the CRC? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you. I'd, I'd like to go a little bit uh, off of Belgic Confession, Article Twenty Seven, talks about the church you know, be existing from the beginning of the time until its 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 end, as uh, Christ is a King who will have subjects. And, um, and we're going to be fine. Um, it may not be the kind of church that we're used to, you know, this is something that God's put on my heart too, because I love being a pastor. I love, you know, the privilege of studying the word and preaching and discipling and middle school catechism and all that. It might be that the church continues to decline. It might be that part of the decline is splitting. It might be that, uh, some, we may not see the churches that we're used to seeing, you know, with all kinds of, of, uh, Built, you know, places for, for pastors like you and me to do our thing full time, but the church will be fine and we'll be fine. God has been so good at providing for us, I think, for you, for your health, and for you know, all these others. You know, Psalm 37, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Um, Amen. Yeah, Synod 22 might be really ugly, but I think God's going to bring some great things out of it. We will have clarity, we'll have 
um, a, a sense more of a being on the same page, you know, theologically, which would be great for missions. I think that would be great for uh, what we're going to do. And yeah, maybe that means some tiny churches get tinier. It might mean that uh, pastors become part-time. You know, one of the things that I'm working toward is uh, getting to the point where I could, if I needed to, not only be part-time myself, but also help to teach other younger pastors who wouldn't be able to afford a full-time uh, seminary thing. And maybe Calvin will move that direction. Maybe it'll be another seminary. I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of changes are coming. Like say, you know, Reformation is messy business, but, uh, but the Lord stays with his church. And I just want to encourage all the elders and the pastors and the, and the church members to, uh, you know, and this should really take down our anxiety. I'll, I'll quote, I think it's Alistair Begg, but he probably stole it from somebody else. You know, the providence of God is a soft pillow, you know, and you can just mm -hmm. rest on that. And um, we'll do what we have to do and, and God will take care of it. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we just have the privilege of, of, of standing with the truth of scripture and with the redemption that, that we have in Christ. And uh, I think a big part of that is that Christ is more to us than our, our, our you know, personal sense of fulfillment or our, our calling or our talents, the sexuality, family, all that, you know, Christ is, is going to be all. And I think that's, that's for the good of those who love God. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for a conversation with Josh Christoffels. Until then, don't forget, this is Christ Church and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy Reformation. <laughs>